0: Thanks guys. Good morning. You you you, I haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) I'm not ready. Well, good morning. (laughs) Normally I have you do that multiple times and see how loud you can get, but they beat all of you to the punch. Good morning. My name is Kevin. I'm the student ministries director here. And if my voice squeaks today, it's because I'm recovering from a small cold. Don't worry. I won't get you sick. But I am excited to be back up here today because for the last few weeks, I've been downstairs with our third through fifth graders. And that's been a lot of fun, but it's also good to switch ages every once in a while. <laughs> um, I, you know, that's a different story for another time. <laughs> Got to stick stick on our time. We've got we got to get somewhere. <clears throat> so I am excited to be a part of our journey towards Christmas with this series called Advent, a season of waiting. And last week, Katie Griffin started us off by helping us see that God works in the waiting. And she shared a great story from the Book of Acts where Paul and Barnabas were waiting for God to rescue them in prison and how God used that time of waiting to bring so many more people to faith in Christ through their worshiping and the miracle that happened at the end of that story. Over the next two weeks, Bobby DeLancelotti will be joining us, and Jim Witte will be preaching again. And they'll be teaching on one of these two topics. The first one next week is on Emmanuel, or God with us, but specifically that God is with us in our waiting. And then the other week will be that who you become while you wait is just as important as what you're waiting for. So be sure to join us for those great Sundays. But today, I have an unlikely Advent story on the topic of waiting. It has nothing to do with Christmas. You'll see. Um, But I pray that God will help us come away with an understanding that our waiting is not wasted. That's right, your waiting is not wasted when you wait on God's timing. And if I had to choose one thing that Californians value most, I bet I could pull you and get a bunch of different answers. And near the top, of course, would be relationships and money would probably be up there too. But number one would be time. People value their time today more than, you know, anything else and we live in this instant gratification culture of fast food and drive-through coffee shops and instant access to information on our technology go figure that most of us don't like waiting and we have good reason see if you relate with these reasons why people dislike waiting <clears throat> we feel like waiting especially in line at the grocery store or at the doctor's office is wasted time after all, we're doing nothing of value while we're sitting there. We could be in doing something productive or enjoyable, right? Or maybe waiting isn't fun or gratifying, especially because we can get any answer from Siri or Google right away. Why would you want to wait for going to the library and looking it up in a book, in an encyclopedia? Or, you know, well, here's another caveat. Technology fails us sometimes, though, because we want to watch Netflix right now, but sometimes you got to wait for it to buffer. <laughs> sometimes we feel that waiting doesn't have a point or that it's just going to get in the way of our fun. Why should we wait until we're 21 to be of legal age to drink or smoke? And why should we wait until we're married to move in with our fiance or be intimate with a boyfriend or girlfriend? Those laws are rules just to ruin our fun. Or maybe we feel that we've waited so long that others and even God have forgotten or moved on. And so we're tempted to lose hope or give up. So, whatever the case, We've all felt that tug of impatience on our hearts. We've all felt that time that we've spent waiting is often wasted. And I agree with you. The time we spend waiting can be wasted time, but it doesn't have to be. So now that I've kept you waiting to get started, let's pray and see how God will teach us this morning. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word and for your Holy Spirit, God, which is here in this place. I know that you have brought each and every one of us here to hear something from you. So Lord, I pray that you would speak and that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and patience to wait on your leading in our lives. Speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So our scripture today encompasses a lot of Israel's history, but I had to pick something a bit smaller than the entire books of Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua. That'd be too long for us, right? So we're going to look at one chapter or part of it and see what God has to teach us through the life of Joshua and his battle against Jericho in Joshua chapter 6. Like I said, not Christmas, whatever. (laughs) Joshua is one of Israel's greatest heroes. And it's clear as you study the life of Joshua that he learned how to wait on God. He was Moses' servant for 40 years. And while that was happening, Joshua waited and watched and learned while Moses waited on God's guidance as he led Israel through the wilderness. And finally, after 40 years of waiting, God chose Joshua to lead Israel into the promised land after Moses' death. And even then, Joshua had to wait for God's timing to take on the mantle of leadership over Israel. That actually happens here at the Battle of Jericho. And Joshua also learned throughout the rest of his life how to wait on God to give the right signal as to where and when and how. He should lead Israel to conquer the land that God had promised his people. So we find Joshua just as he begins conquering the promised land. A few weeks earlier in this story, Joshua sent two spies to scout out their first enemy, the powerful and protected city of Jericho. These spies confirmed that the Lord would give Israel victory over the city. And so, of course, what army would wait? They would say, let's go! But God had a different timeline. After waiting a few days for God's guidance, God finally led Israel across the Jordan River on dry ground. What a miracle. And then God had Israel wait yet again. Then, after they worshiped God on Sabbath for a while, because, oops, they forgot to follow God's law while they were 40 years wandering in the wilderness, God had Joshua circumcise all of the Israelites, and they had to wait to be healed before they could go and fight Jericho. Okay, they already knew they're going to win the battle. Now it's been like three weeks. This is a long time. So finally, Israel is camped in the fields of Jericho, and they're ready to conquer, full of anticipation and excitement because God promised that they would win But God tells Joshua in a different way to wait yet again. This is like a bad family road trip. Are we there yet? Will we ever get there? Maybe. So listen to how Joshua's story starts. As God promises that Israel will succeed, but they're going to have to wait before that happens. Joshua chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. And then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. And they did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. And the seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. And so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. So put yourself in this story. You've wandered around the desert for 40 years, waiting for God to let you into the promised land. And you're finally there, and you're assured victory over your enemies. But God asks you to parade—there's a detail that didn't make it. I had to cut it out—in silence around the city— for an hour, for a day, and then go back to your tent and wait. And then to repeat that for six days. Uh, doesn't that waiting for six days seem pointless? Sure, as we look at it, 2020 hindsight, right? It's easy for us to say, it's only six more days of waiting. I can handle that. I've waited 40 years. But it's really like coming home from vacation. Those last few hours of driving are the worst because you just want to be home. So for Israel and Joshua, I'm sure that the anticipation was thick in the air around them. They knew that they were going to win. It was guaranteed by the one true God. So why would they wait for six more days to attack the city? Better yet, why would you, an army ready to conquer, wait silently, walk silently around a city once a day, and then return for the other 23 hours back to your tent? There's no apparent reason for the waiting. There's no explanation in Scripture. God doesn't tell Joshua and Israel why they waited six days. He simply says, wait and trust me. And with the waiting, God does that silly thing of walking in silence. In the end, though, Joshua and Israel waited and obeyed, and God gave them a tremendous victory over Jericho, and that started their tremendous victory over the whole Promised Land. And looking at Joshua's life in the story of Jericho, we see that God used waiting to grow Joshua into the faithful leader that he became. And that's because waiting on God teaches us obedience. And waiting on God teaches us dependence. And waiting on God teaches us patience. And waiting on God helps us see the bigger picture, that God is in control and that he knows best better than we do, for sure. And that waiting on God reminds us to worship God because he is good so that we should trust him with our future. I bet that you could add more to my list. Joshua's waiting, though it may have felt pointless at the time, it was not wasted. God redeemed Joshua's waiting as only God can. God made Joshua a great leader because of his reliance on God and waiting on God, even here in this battle. And because of their waiting, God gave them victory over Jericho. So like Joshua, Jesus also understands what it's like to wait. In fact, that's part of this message of Christmas. Jesus, God's one and only son, chose to become human flesh and blood, so that he could understand what you and I go through every day. One of the miracles of Christmas is that God, in Christ Jesus, understands what it's like to wait. Jesus waited 30 years before God the Father said it was time for him to start his career or his ministry. Jesus waited three more years to finally head to the cross. And fulfill his ultimate calling in life. And Jesus waited in agony, suffering more than six hours on the cross. Why did he have to wait there? It could have been done. But it was until God the Father determined that the work of redemption had finally been accomplished. Joshua understood waiting. Jesus understands waiting and what's great about Jesus understanding waiting and what he did on the cross is that we, in our waiting, never need to let it go to waste. Yes, our waiting never needs to be wasted because of what Jesus did on the cross. So, first, in his resurrection, Jesus became victorious over sin and death and all creation. Jesus wins. What does that have to do with waiting? Well, because of Jesus' victory, we have confidence in the outcome in the end. We know how it's all going to turn out. And so we can celebrate here and now in the waiting knowing that God has good things in the end. That's awesome. We know that God is working all things together for good So even though we might not be able to see it here and now, let's celebrate in that future that we have with him. Second, because Jesus' victory on the cross, we can wait with expectation and excitement instead of impatience or hopelessness. You see, God is for us, and he is working all things for the good of his kingdom, So let's wait and see how he surprises us along the journey as he works out his amazing plan. Now, I have a great story that just came to um, our staff this past week. So back in September, Katie Griffin and the staff were planning PR Serve Day. And Katie has this friend who approached her about doing this great service project for PR Serve He and a team of people that he has have financial resources and had some manpower and said, Katie, we want to redo the landscaping of someone's yard who really desperately needs it and isn't able to afford it or do it themselves. Can you find us a family or a couple that we can do this for? And so Katie came back to us, and for a couple weeks, we we hunted and searched, and we came up empty-handed, not able to find anyone. Then Katie had another idea and followed up with her generous friends, and that didn't seem to click, and it just kind of fell by the wayside. But Katie, and some of us too, just put it on the back burner, waiting to see maybe God would provide something in his time. So this past Wednesday, Katie went downtown to get lunch and ran into these generous friends again. And they were very excited to say, hey, Katie, Katie. We really want to do that thing again. Did you find a family for us yet? We really want to help somebody. Katie was like, hmm, not yet, but I'll try again. We'll see. And then she went to this meeting right after lunch and was overhearing some couple in the next room and introduced herself. And lo and behold, this older couple in town has no relatives around, no children who can help them. And their yard is in desperate need of work. And so Katie made this great connection, and um, I don't know when that project's gonna happen, but Katie waited, and God provided exactly. That generous family and uh, friend of Katie's waited, and now God has met that need in a surprising way. If Katie hadn't gone to that lunch meeting, it never would have happened. So just like Katie, we can wait, waiting for God to surprise us as he works out his great plan. Another way, a third way that Jesus changes everything when we wait is that when we wait with Jesus, we will never miss out on the best things in life. So there's this term among 20 and 30 and 40-somethings called FOMO, which is fear of missing out. And I know lots of people. Sometimes I have this too. But with Jesus, we can dismiss that stupid idea of the fear of missing out. Because being with Jesus is the best adventure in life. Nothing and no one else will ever satisfy our souls like Jesus does. Because he alone fits that hole in our heart. So when we wait on Jesus and wait with Jesus, we're not going to miss out on anything that might be more fun or more exciting. When Jesus is with us in the waiting, we won't miss out on anything. So how can we change our perspective to see that waiting is not wasted? Here's some practical ways that you and I can live this truth out, that waiting isn't wasted when we wait on God. First, be still and worship Psalm 37 is this great picture of King David, although I don't know if he's king just yet, waiting for God to rescue him from his enemies and give him the throne as Saul is constantly attacking him. So if we recognize who God is, like David does in Psalm 37, it will help us be content while we wait and we'll have greater patience for his timing. <laughs> just like Joshua did with Jericho and Jesus did on the cross. So as you find yourself waiting in line at Walmart or Albertsons this Christmas season, take a moment to be still and recognize God's presence with you in that moment. Worship God. Remember what he's done in the past and look forward to what he's going to do in the future. Take heart and have confidence that he is a good, good father who cares for you. And lean into him, just like it says in Micah 7, 7. That as for me, I will watch in hope for the Lord. I will wait for God my Savior because my God will hear me. Number two, we can watch How God is working in the other places of our lives. Outside of the situation that we're waiting on. Joshua and Israel were waiting for Jericho and the promised land. But while they were waiting, God showed Israel his power and protection and glory by bringing them across dry land in the Jordan River. In the same way, Highlands, we have been waiting for a pastor for over a year. (laughs) I'm going to get a laugh with that every service, right? But I know some of us might grow impatient and discontent and even a little hopeless. Open your eyes, though. In our season of waiting, God has not waited for us. Instead, He has done incredible things here at Highlands. We've baptized over 15 people. We've added 20-plus new members. We've sent three different mission teams across the globe. We've funded a new missions project in Nicaragua. We've helped purchase land in Uganda for a preschool. And so many more things, even locally, like smash out hunger. I mean, (laughs) though we are waiting, the time has not been wasted. So let's watch and be encouraged by what God still does, even if it isn't on what we are waiting for, right? Amen. Yes. Third, don't just sit there in your waiting. Do something with that time. Joshua and Israel didn't sit there while they waited for God to bring down the walls of Jericho. No, they marched. But actually, if you look close, the Ark of the Covenant and the musical instruments went first. They were worshiping and praying in their waiting. Israel's faithful people worshiped and prayed during the 400 years of silence that came before Jesus was born. Jesus worshiped and prayed as he awaited the appointed time to glorify himself on the cross. And the 12 apostles worshiped and prayed and prepared themselves to receive the Holy Spirit so that they could finally go out and preach the good news to all nations. We even today are worshiping and praying until we see that final time when Jesus comes back again to put everything to right. Let's use our waiting time for good. Because waiting is not an excuse to waste time. Waiting is an invitation to work on something else. So let's wrap this up as we head towards communion. Remembering again how Jesus waited for us to come to him on the cross. So as you find yourself waiting to buy groceries or Christmas gifts, or as you're waiting with anticipation or angst, To see those friends and family members that you haven't seen in a while this season. Or as you wait for God to come through with the Christmas miracle that you so desperately need, remember that your waiting isn't wasted. While you wait, be still and remember that God is sovereign. His timing is perfect. So watch for what He's doing elsewhere. And take encouragement and listen for his voice as he prepares you for what is to come. Best of all, wait on him by spending time worshiping and praying and being in awe of who he is. Our waiting isn't wasted unless we let it go to waste. So let's wait on God and with God and watch in awe as he brings his good plans to life. He is our good, good Father, and he is worth waiting for. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for who you are. God, and we sometimes lose sight of that as we grow impatient because culture has put that so deeply rooted into us these days. God, help us to wait on you in whatever situation it might be. God, for the person who needs that desperate Christmas miracle, would you give them hope that only you can give them? God, and would you give all of us more patience and eyes to see what you're doing, even in our waiting? Lord, we love you and ask that you would help us to rely more on you so that we can live this amazing, adventurous life with you. In Jesus' name.